Welcome to Equipped and Established, a podcast of Valley Bible Church where we seek to equip people with the Word of God to be established in the truth. Hey everyone, this is episode 36 of the Equipped and Established podcast. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is part of our 10-minute theology series where we talk about a certain topic of theology in around 10 minutes. And this week we are continuing our little mini-series here uh, due to kind of the Christmas time of year and all that. This little mini-series on the anticipation of the Messiah in the Old Testament. Okay, so again, trying to get our, our focus right this time of year as we think about the birth of Christ. And we've been really digging into kind of that longing, that waiting that we see in the Old Testament, that build-up. Um, to the culminating event in the New Testament, okay? And so what we've seen so far uh, is that this anticipation really began all the way back in the book of Genesis, right after the fall in Genesis 3. And this hope for the seed who would crush the head of the servant and bring us back to Eden and into relation with God continued on generation after generation. Who would be this seed? And the last time we started to see the narrowing down of who this individual would be. So not only would he be from the line of Eve, which again was very kind of broad in general, but it would also be through the line of Abraham and then through like Isaac and Jacob. And then uh, we saw even more focused in Genesis 49.10 that it'd be through the line of Jacob's son Judah that the Messiah would come and he would be the one who would bring peace to all peoples. Okay, and so that's what we've been kind of looking at. And so for today's episode, we're going to continue this narrowing down of who this individual would be and actually kind of wrap up the anticipation of the Old Testament. And that's going to kind of prepare the way for next week where we will look at the culmination of all this hope and anticipation as we look at the birth narratives in the New Testament. Okay, so let's get into this, Uh, but first, let me make some just quick disclaimers. There's probably even definitely more passages we could point to as part of this anticipation of the Messiah in the Old Testament, but we're just going to focus on a few that I kind of handpicked out here that give us some bigger picture things and all that, and so, um, I mean, I'm I'm trying to stay in that 10-minute mark, uh, but as I kind of studied this or looked into this, like, it's... It's not gonna. <laughs> uh, it's not gonna be probably too close to ten minutes. So, but I'll try not to go too long with all this. Um, and again, I, I'm sure you've seen with our little Christmas series here. I've been a little more lax with uh, that ten, that ten minute time limit. Anyways, so just forewarning. Um, might be a little longer today. Okay. Um, but anyways, so we left off our anticipation kind of series here at the end of the book of Genesis. So you have Jacob. Uh, who's about to die, and he blesses his sons. And if you remember kind of the context of all that, they are actually in Egypt at that point of time, and they actually stay there for 400 years, all right? So during that time, Israel becomes more of a, a nation, actually. They grow and they increase, and uh, they, but they end up being oppressed by the Egyptians, and eventually you have, like, the Exodus, where God redeems his people out of Egypt, all that, and then if you remember, they make their way to the promised land, but then they kind of disobey all that stuff, and so then there's kind of these wilderness wanderings and all that, 
And so the first passage that we're going to talk about today actually takes place during that time. Okay, it takes place during that time, kind of the wilderness wanderings on their way uh, to the promised land. Uh, and we're going to find this in like the book of Numbers, actually. Uh, but keep in mind that around 400 years have passed between kind of these promises. So again, don't miss the longing, the anticipation that would have been been building for this Messiah to come. So you had kind of Genesis and the numbers, and there's a lot of time from those events, the promise made to Jacob to what we're going to look at here in the book of numbers. Okay. So, so this first passage we're going to look at, like might be a little more obscure for some of you may not be the first, uh, kind of Christmas theme passage that you would think of uh, when you think of the birth of Jesus and all that. But as I'm sure you'll see, it is very fitting. And so said the book of Numbers, specifically Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And so just kind of brief context here of what is going on at this point in Numbers. Um, As I mentioned, this is when Israel is on their way to the promised land and they just recently have kind of defeated some nations along their way. And so you have the nation of Moab kind of come on the scene here. And they are afraid that they will be destroyed as well. And so the king of Moab hires this diviner guy by the name of Balaam uh, to come and curse Israel. Okay? Um, And so you have the Lord kind of intervene, though, and he instructs Balaam to say only what he tells him to say. And so Balaam ends up delivering kind of a series of four oracles to the king of Moab. And we don't have the time to go into uh, all these or each of these. Uh, But essentially, Balaam ends up blessing Israel instead of cursing them, which you can imagine King Moab not too happy about. But our passage that we're going to look at actually takes place in the midst of the fourth oracle, so the last one. And really the main focus of this fourth oracle is he starts to kind of talk about like this coming king. Okay, that he's focusing on this coming king, this future king that is to come. And so with that in mind, let's look at our passage. So Numbers 24, verse 17, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. So notice kind of a couple of things here. Let's point out a few things here. So first off, we see the timing of the coming of this king. Balaam mentions that he sees him, but not now. He beholds him, but not near. So the coming of this individual doesn't seem to be particularly close or even like around the corner at that time. This means Israel will have to keep waiting and anticipating this individual. Second, we see the mentioning of a star coming out of Jacob. And Jacob, another name for Israel, right? Uh, In the Old Testament, star imagery is sometimes used of royalty and actually later Jewish literature outside the Bible before the time of Jesus uh, understood this reference of a star here as referring to the Messiah. And this was even to the point that some rulers actually imprinted stars on their coins in order to try and claim that they were the Messiah. And hopefully you would uh, already start to make kind of this connection between a star and the Christmas story uh, and the book of Matthew. What did the wise men follow as they searched for the Messiah? A star. Okay. 
So you see those kind of connections happening here. But then also notice uh, kind of the next phrase in our passage um, that kind of further confirms this connection to the Messiah. The next phrase mentions a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And if you remember, all the way back to our last episode here, where did we last see someone possessing a scepter? Genesis 49.10, the scepter will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Okay, so we're making these connections back to even Genesis 49.10, the scepter. And then even the next phrase, it shall crush the forehead of Moab. Now, what does that sound like? What does crushing the forehead of someone sound like? Sounds awful lot like Genesis 3.15 and the crushing of the head of the serpent. If you remember that, the promise of the seed who'd crush the head of the serpent. And so what we see in this passage is a confirmation of what we've seen before. An individual is coming who will be a king in Israel. This one will be the Shiloh mentioned in Genesis 49.10. He will fulfill the Abrahamic covenant that we saw in Genesis 12, bringing blessing to all the families of the earth. And he will be the seed mentioned in Genesis 3.15, who will crush the head of the serpent, getting us back to Eden in relationship with God. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, and so you probably didn't really associate the book of Numbers with Christmas, but now hopefully you do a little bit, okay? But that's just one passage. We're going to hit some others, and so I need to speed up a little bit if I want to get through all these passages and not having this become a 30-minute theology here. Um, But yeah, so we see that. So there's this promise in Numbers, so there's this continued anticipation. You're continuing looking forward. And then the next passage that we're going to pick up on is found actually in 2 Samuel 7. And this takes place during the time of King David. So a lot, again, has happened in Israel since Numbers. You have the conquest of the Promised Land. You have the time of the Judges. You have King Saul. And now you have King David. And so this is roughly about like 400 years after the passage we just looked at in Numbers. So, again, we just had two kind of chunks of 400 years. So, a lot of time has passed in all these things. So, again, generations are looking forward to this. And so, but in this chapter, in 2 Samuel 7, you have the Lord speaking with David through the prophet Nathan. And we see what we call the Davidic covenant being established here. So, God's covenant with David. And so, again, we could say so much about all these verses, but we're just going to focus in on what's applicable for our kind of study here. Uh, And so we're just going to hone in on just a few verses that are part of this covenant. So specifically verses 12 through 16 of 2 Samuel 7. And these say, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever." And so we see from this passage that it will be an offspring or a seed. That's the same term seed, offspring, that we saw back in Genesis 3.15. But it will be an offspring or a seed of David 
who the Lord will establish as king and the throne of his kingdom will be forever. So our narrowing, uh, our narrowing down has moved forward a little bit. So now it is not just through the line of Judah, but more specifically, the Messiah will come through the royal line of David and will reign on the throne of Israel. But then we see some other characteristics of this individual throughout the rest of the Old Testament that will help narrow down this individual even more. So again, we have the specific kind of like through the line of David. Okay, so it's going to be through his line. But then now we have some other kind of characteristics of um, how we would be able to identify this Messiah, this person who is to come. And so the next passage is in the book of Isaiah, actually. And this is about another two to three hundred years-ish after David. So again, a lot of time passing here. But let's look at Isaiah 7.14. And this might be a somewhat familiar passage to some of you. Uh, Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so this passage gives one of the greatest narrowing down factors of who this Messiah would be. And that is what? The Messiah would be born of a virgin. So that's obviously not normal, okay? So this individual will not have a normal birth, but instead will have the most miraculous birth of all time. And that makes sense, right? The greatest birth for the greatest person. And so you have that. So it'll be born of a virgin. So that's, again, narrowing down a lot. And then on top of that, his name will be Emmanuel, which that means God with us. And you need to remember that names in scripture weren't just what people called you, but actually tied in with your character, like who you are. And so being called Emmanuel indicates that this individual will not only be man, but also God. He is God with us. And this seems to be confirmed just a couple chapters later in Isaiah, where Isaiah seems to pick up describing the same son that was mentioned here in 714. And he mentions another son being born in uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, where he states, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so notice how these verses here kind of tie into a lot of what we have already seen. He will be called Mighty God. So just kind of what we're talking about, like the Emmanuel, so we call Mighty God. He'll also be called Prince of Peace, and that kind of reminds us of the Shiloh who is to come, right? Genesis 49.10. He will be a king and rule on David's throne, and his kingdom will last forever. That sounds very similar to 2 Samuel 7. So again, uh, we have all this being tied into this one individual. And then around that same time as Isaiah, you also have a prophecy from the book of Micah. That narrows down this Messiah as well. And in Micah 5.2, we actually uh, have the birthplace of the Messiah being prophesied about here. And so that passage says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me 
one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so this passage tells us that a future ruler in Israel will be born in Bethlehem. And this isn't what you would necessarily expect. You would expect your kings to be uh, born in Jerusalem, the capital city, the royal city. That's where um, the kings lived, okay? And so you'd expect them to be born in Jerusalem. But instead, we see that this Messiah, this ruler who's to be to come in Israel, will be born in the small town of Bethlehem, okay? And so now we've narrowed down uh, who this Messiah would be much more than we had before. Okay, so again, kind of recap, uh, this individual will be from the line of Eve, and then the line of Abraham, then the line of Judah, and then specifically from the royal line of King David. But then we also saw this individual also rule as king over Israel. He'll be born of a virgin. He'll be born in Bethlehem, and he'll be God. And so we started general, but now we've narrowed it down so much that there's just one individual who meets all these criteria. Jesus. That's it. Okay? And so we've seen this narrowing, this anticipation, all building up. And I should also mention, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, that as the Old Testament kind of comes to a close, we see the last prophet, Malachi, ends his prophecy in Malachi 4 with the Lord declaring that he will be sending Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so the Old Testament ends on this note of who should be who should Israel be looking out for as essentially kind of like the next the next event on the calendar, right? Like what's the next thing that's supposed to happen? The coming of Elijah. And the significance of that, we'll kind of talk about that next week, but just kind of keep that in your mind, that little nugget there. But that's where it kind of leaves off, okay? And kind of leave off on the cliffhanger. We're still expecting the Messiah, and now we're kind of, oh, we're looking out for this Elijah, and we come to an end of this Old Testament. But hopefully, uh, you have seen, again, this anticipation and longing of the Old Testament for this Messiah. Even in this episode, we just covered hundreds of years in all these passages. And throughout all these years, you would have had people of Israel longing and waiting for this promised Messiah to come. And so this is what Christmas is all about. The coming of this long-awaited Messiah. And so again, let us keep our focus this Christmas season as we celebrate Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. And so that's going to do it for today's episode. And so we'll catch you all next time.